um, so they get into the marsh. They put the boat in. And mind you, this was like not a Viking ship so much as like a Viking rowboat. <laughs> like we didn't, he didn't even have the like the dragon, the classic dragon on uh-huh. it. And why? Because to him, he's like, that's not authentic, which was his excuse for anything he couldn't afford. Right. <laughs> it was like, mm, okay. And so they get in. Of course, they're like, well, Katie's got to bless it or be the like ceremonial maiden. So they put me in it and it becomes quickly clear that my dad built a ship but maybe didn't water seal it entirely so i'm like sitting in this like rickety giant long boat and like water's coming up and they're like you know the other guys are like hopping in and stuff and soon you know because it's all these like freaking fat vikings yeah. <laughs> in the ship so they're it's like still jumping in even when the boat is sinking. oh yeah because they didn't really didn't realize until well, they were just all drunk? the fatties were in and yeah. then it's like starting to come up and i just remember literally like shivering and like seeing like like rose in titanic like seeing fucking like water coming up over my kids and then they realize oh this is actually taking on water this isn't like stuff that got into the boat as we were all yeah. getting in you know and so then they were like oh fuck they're like we need something to bail it out now across the street from the marsh was a circle k and so they like <laughs> half the guys were in the boat half were still on land and we're like floating away and they've like lost a fucking oar in the panic half the guys are like hopping out and they're like we need to bail the ship out so they literally conduct a viking raid on circle k they all run across the fucking street terrorizing the poor middle eastern clerks they run in and they are scooping up big empty big gulp cups so they can come back and throw them into the boat so that we can bail out because they're still trying like they were just very determined that they were gonna have like a full little like row around the marsh or whatever and uh and mind you like fur is very wet when it or very heavy when it gets wet so they're like bogged down like fucking like quicksand coming back trying to get it in so finally they're like fuck it like abandoned ship they like hop out somebody pulls me out i'm like soaked from the fucking malay and uh, uh, we got back, and I just remember my stepmom like coming out to see us, and I I think I was covered, and also it was like literally a marsh, so I think I was like wet and covered in mud, just like a poor poor true sacrifice to these right. men. Hey everybody, this is Tom Goss with Leaving the Tribe. Um, show about people who left a ideology, mindset, uh, group, um, system, and how and why they changed. Uh, today's episode is with Katie French. Follow her on all social media at Katie I French, um, a very funny comedian. Uh, and we talk about paganism and kind of growing up in dysfunction and growing out of it and it is a phenomenal episode such a phenomenal episode this is actually the second time we've recorded it the first time i accidentally deleted the file because i am a dipshit um and that's what we open talking about uh uh, I don't know if we actually say out loud what we are referencing, but it is me me and my inability to keep organized. Um, thank you again for tuning into the show. Please uh, rate, review, and subscribe if you're listening on iTunes. And tell a friend whether or not you are listening on iTunes. Um, uh, what was I going to say? Uh, I want to give a quick shout out to Full 90 Design. They did the art for this show. You can email them at full90design 
for more, uh, for, for if you are interested in uh, getting some help with your graphic design, uh, it's a really great episode. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I don't know what else to say about it. It's a phenomenal episode. I'm so thankful Katie was able to come on, um, not only come on but come on twice. Will be willing to open up about it more than once. Um, I'm really glad she did because. She has a very fascinating story, and I'm very glad that I know her at a point where she's willing to share it uh, with people, which is, you know, something we talk about later in the episode. And uh, you know what? If I keep talking, I'm just going to spoil the episode, so I'm going to go ahead and shut up. Uh, uh, oh, follow the actual show at Leaving Tripod on Twitter and Instagram, um, and me at GossGoss6. Chicago, stay stay tuned. I got uh, something going to be a cool announcement that I'm not going to officially announce yet, but I'm just going to keep teasing it. Uh, and you know what? Outside of that, enjoy this episode. I'm so happy I was able to do this episode. Um, and once again, follow Katie at K- Katie I French. Thank you so much for listening. I'm enjoying doing the show so much, and I've. Personally, I've I've learned a lot, and I've it's, it's it's helped me fucking grow and understand shit better. And I hope there are other people out there who feel the same way. Um, and if you are if you are a, a person who heard Katie's story and related to her, please please fucking let her know. You, you'll you'll know why I say that if you listen to the episode. Um, but yeah, thank you thank you all so much. Um, and. Please enjoy Katie French. Okay. And we're sure we have volume. We're working. What? Yeah, what happened we have in the last file. What happened? What happened in the last corrupted? file? Okay. This is. It's this okay is if you literally just forgot to record. <laughs> no, it's even worse than. It's even dumber than that. The mm-hmm. last file. We were on the road, mm-hmm. and I had an SD card for my GoPro, and then which I lost in Kansas City, and then an SD card for um, uh, the like recording device. Yeah. And I f- I flipped them so I could um, like look through them. Oh. And I wiped the GoPro file, thinking it was. Oh, the GoPro. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. I looked through and went, "Oh my <laughs> god." So good. Which is, which is, and then I didn't tell you for like, th- like okay. three weeks because I was so upset and you, okay. were, you were so good on the episode. I was dreading sending you a message oh, saying I actually okay. wiped your file because it, it was such a, it was such a great episode. I couldn't, I couldn't wait to, to like release it. And that's why now I just like. I just c- kind of edit and upload them the second I can, just to make sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then the other one, the other one I had, I had to delete. I had it uploaded, or not uploaded. I had it on my computer because I recorded one with Andrea Guzetta. Mm. I had it on my computer. I had it completely edited. I just need to add the intro. Ooh, that hurts. And the SD more. card, the SD card was full, so I had to empty the SD card to record the intro. I record the intro. I come back. And my computer goes, can't find the content for, the, and I'd saved it and everything. Uh, that's the worst. And it was like all the editing was there, but there was no sound waves. Oh, it wiped shit. out all the sound waves. And oh. then I, I spent 
like three hours trying to find if there was some sort of app to uh, go through and find them, and there was, and it was ninety dollars. And even then, I I don't. There's no guarantee. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's and, the worst. Yeah. It 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 sucked. It sucked pretty. It it sucked pretty bad. But I'm trying to I'm trying to get better about it. <laughs> you gotta <laughs> learn. I feel like when I first uh, not when I first like um. My my phone died or whatever, but it was like the phone I'd had since I started comedy. Right, and I, that's when I didn't realize that um, like your audio files on an iPhone they don't back up. Yeah, like they just stay on the phone. And so uh, I switched the phone, and I was like, I lost every single set I'd ever recorded. Oh wow! Of all time, like five years of comedy. I was like, fuck. That yeah, it that really sucks. sucked. Do you, but do you save? Do you say? Do you usually try to save every set? No, but it would just like I just you know just by default I had it on there and it was right. all like you know like your first show at the Brit Improv and like right. your first this and that and then it's funny to listen back to like when you uh, like I like when I'm on planes that's when I like to do my comedy organization okay. like listen to old sets or like re you know like update my archive whatever and then it was funny because I like was listening to one from like four years ago but it was like one of my first sets in L.A. and like I could hear Chris laughing in the background but oh, like we weren't really? dating we didn't know each other yet you didn't know each other yeah. at all so that's why i was like oh that's cool like does does it make you yeah. doesn't uh, we're, by the way we are recording okay that's fine yeah. yeah yeah um uh does it make you feel good that he thought you were funny before yeah for sure yeah yeah um but it was sweet i was like oh that's sweet so yeah um that or you can just hear other friends or jokes you totally forgot about that you're like oh yeah yeah. I feel like I do all the time because I bail on material all the time. I I've I've brought old jokes back, and sometimes those end up being my 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 best jokes. Yeah, the ones that don't. It's nice when it works, but yeah, no, I can't get anything working immediately for me. It always takes like six months before <laughs> before it starts connecting. It's probably a me thing. But it's okay as long as we're up or recording. We're really happening now. It's really happening. <laughs> it was really happening last time too. <laughs> It w- it is it is funny that I just uh, the idea that I just start a podcast and don't record it and just hey some it's sort happened of plenty of times and I would make that mistake and then I would just message the person and be like dude you won't believe what happened like <laughs> crazy corrupted file my laptop got stolen I would make up five lies in a row just so I wouldn't show that I was so dumb I didn't press record <laughs> yeah I see if I if that was the scenario I think people would absolutely believe that I would do that <laughs> is just forget to press record um but no it's record now i keep looking to make sure that i'm not full of shit right now but yeah no we're that's okay we're, we're happening we're recording yeah no you came you came uh on last time because i i heard well you talk you talk about it in your acts that you were right some of this is going to be weird because we've already like, <laughs> i know we've already done this and I now know. we're like starting over and it's like hello tom yeah i am I, Katie I know. <laughs> yeah some of some of it some of it i already remember but i want to set it up because i want it's okay I yeah wanna, yeah we'll go through the story yeah should i put more unnecessary disclaimers? no please <laughs> <laughs> if people don't know uh we already recorded this and then it and got, then i fucked up and then tom deleted it It was a hundred percent on me it's okay yeah. you were raised pagan pagan yeah yeah and your parents uh, met through paganism. Well, not quite. Uh, well, I guess we'll start at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Katie French, comic, writer. Very funny. Ingenue. No. <laughs> Playboy. <laughs> Playboy, yeah. Um, no, my, uh, my story starts when my parents met at the Renaissance Fair because they worked at the Renaissance Fair in, this was, they would have met in the late 70s, I believe. Okay. The Renaissance Fair. My mom was a juggler. My dad was a musician. 
as I like to say, dad wore the tights in the family. <laughs> did he play? Did he play the, the what? What is it? The, the lute. I think that's lute. probably what you're assuming. No, he played a flute. He played wood wood instruments. Okay. Instruments. Um, yeah. So they met there. They were like Renaissance Fair subculture people, which was a whole subculture that. Uh, Renaissance Fair started in the 60s, but by like 70s, 80s is when the Renaissance Fair, as we know it now, as I'm sure many of your listeners do know <laughs> and do attend. Actually, I feel like a lot of mean boys would be Renaissance there, Fair there, dudes. There, yeah, there are. There are definitely there are definitely some out there. With shout out, tweet at me. You know, show me your uh, guild or your <laughs> outfits. I want to see your chain mail. Um, but uh, yeah, so my parents met there. They were. Um, kind of avant-garde bohemian people and uh, my dad was a musician and as a part of in addition to being into renaissance fairs historical reenactment kind of the fantasy part of this world uh, my dad specifically was very into northern european history specifically vikings specifically viking gods right so he was a pagan who worshipped norse gods uh-huh who have not been worshipped for thousands of years, but thank God he brought it back. Did he have a specific God that he prayed to? No. The well, most? there's several. Um, it depends on who he was mad at or who wanted to curse that day. <laughs> uh, the classic, the you know, kind of the dream team of Viking gods. We got Odin. We have uh, Freya. She's a goddess. Ostara, Lug, Loki. Uh-huh. You know, Thor. Thor's a classic. Thor, yeah. I like to say Thor is the Beyonce of the Norse. <laughs> He's really the. <laughs> <laughs> the standout <laughs> of them. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and my parents in general, like when they were together, were very, um, <clears throat> just like bohemian, they really liked, like now that everything, especially like in LA, all like girls are all into like, I'm a witch, I go to the solstice ceremony, like I pray under the new moon right. or whatever. I'm like, bitch, I've been on this, okay? <laughs> like, yeah. fuck off. Um, but yeah, so they would have like solstice feasts and play music and all this stuff so it it was very like social and artistic right but then my dad as uh i got older and he got older got just very hardcore into it and he uh sometimes believed himself to be a reincarnated viking chief Uh uh-huh which is a great sitcom premise (laughs) it it is a great sitcom (laughs) premise. like living with the chief yeah ceo chief I don't know, whatever. Anyway, you were you were talking yeah. about like the L.A. kind of like Norse kind of like I guess for lack of a better term, the Norse Valley girl. Uh, <laughs> Norse Valley girl. Well, now everything's just about like witches and nature and like all that kind of stuff, you right. know. Um, which again, I'm like, um, I've been saging since I was like two. But there's yeah. like pictures of me at my family's pagan ceremonies with all their friends and I'm like literally wearing like flowers in my hair and like holding a drinking horn and dressed as a sacrificial virgin or something. (laughs) Um, And I don't look happy in those photos, but I am four (laughs) years old in them. (laughs) Um, So yeah, so my dad was very into that. And then my parents divorced and my mom, um, my mom's still kind of like, you know, she likes the the Renaissance fair kind of stuff and like nature's cool and things, but my dad was very hardcore and uh, it kind of went from like, Hey, this is fun and artsy and stuff to like, this is weird. And I think we have a problem here. Yeah. Um, You were, and you were pretty much from birth. You were born into Renaissance. I was born into the kingdom. Yes. Um, Yeah. There's actually uh, my whole family. Also, it's like, it's wasn't just my parents. Like my aunt was into it. Um, my mom wasn't married to my stepdad at the time, but my stepdad and his ex-wife were like into it. Like right. everybody, I like kind of their immediate circle was very into this. So there's a uh, there's like a brochure from the Renaissance Fair, I think in 1988, 
and my mom is in it, my aunt is in it, and I am in it as a child wench, just like a child yeah. wench. Yeah, because I'm dressed up, but I'm like a child. Isn't isn't a wench like a whore? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought that, that, that's what it is, though, right? No, I looked. I probably looked more like a little plague victim or something. You okay. know, like you know, how there's always like, there's always a scene in Game of Thrones or whatever. I haven't watched it because I like to I, say I lived it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but there's always a scene where like a, a village is being like pillaged and raped and like right. on fire, and then they always do like one shot of a lone blonde child wandering <laughs> among the flames, and that was me. Um, <laughs> truly, my life. But uh, yeah, so. That's they were Renaissance for people. And then um, when I was like four, my parents divorced and my mom w- became like uh, she was a public school teacher day job. She was like kind of normal. They would still go to it. And like my aunt still worked there and stuff. Um, but it wasn't the obsession. It wasn't quite. Yeah, it wasn't the, the whole thing. And then uh, my dad, however, went off the rails. And uh, do you think yeah. do you think that he dove more into it because of the divorce or do you think that was going to happen either way? Yeah, I think so. So with him, so I'll like give the kind of overview of the family is like, uh, my parents divorced when I was four. Wasn't great. (laughs) There were restraining orders. There was like huge custody battles, like police monitoring my house or like me being like set separated from the parents because A lot of drama. So they had a uh, cust- how, yeah. Sorry how how like how involved were you in that whole process, and how much of it was just you finding out that's what was happening? Um, later? So I was like the they divorced, and then a lot of stuff happened when I was seven because that's like when custody agreements were being right. made, and basically um, my dad uh, wanted to see me, and my mom wanted full custody, and uh, my dad is very. Uh, the nice way to put it is like, oh, he's like really eccentric. And then the other way to put it is he's deeply disturbed. (laughs) Um, And so he was like threatening, he would like call and like threaten the family. And like, he was like threatening to like kill my stepdad and like take me and all that stuff. So every time I get like an Amber alert, I'm like, oh girl, you're having a bad day. But whoever that (laughs) kid is in the middle of that custody battle. um, But so, no, I mean, I was very witness to it and there was a lot of like shit going down. And so they had a big custody battle. Like I had my own lawyer between the parents. It was all fucking crazy. And so what ended up happening is that my dad got uh, weekend visitations. So every other weekend he uh, he got me and I my mom lived in Orange County. That's where I lived with her. And then my dad lived in San Diego. So he lived like 80 miles away. And so every other weekend I'd go down and see him. Um, And he. by this point, he, like, I should say this. My dad was that kind of, like, fun Bohemian Renaissance Fair musician guy. Right. Like, kind of until I was born. So, in a way, like, I don't know who that guy was. Because when he got into his 30s when I was born, and a lot of the men in my family are like this, like, just a switch goes on, and they kind of, like, deteriorate and drop out of society. Something, something just yeah. kind of flipped. Um, it's like a French family curse or something so to the men. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't that way... Yeah, so this guy, like, I've heard, you know, everybody else kind of knew him then, and this is, like, the version of him I've heard, and he's a a musician, he played various instruments, he, like, invented instruments, he was a jazz musician, he, like, recorded an album in the 70s, like, an avant-garde jazz record, so he was, like, this kind of eccentric, unique, very creative guy, and then, uh, and then I was born, and then he um, got fucking crazy, (laughs) and so my mom divorced him. We went through this custody battle and uh, he won weekend visitations with me, which is where uh, 
so from age seven and on, I was like split on weekends between my parents. And uh, that's when it got crazy because my mom and my stepdad life there, I was like in schools, very like kind of boring suburban. They were still kind of wacky and eccentric because they liked the Renaissance Fair stuff and right. things. And then I would go to my dad's house where it was a fucking insane Game of Thrones episode yeah. every weekend where, because basically like my dad was very into Viking gods and he, like I said, felt that he was a reincarnated chief at times. So he would get real into that and like the furniture in our house was very like primitive. There were like a lot of furs, a lot of battle axes <laughs> and yeah. things. Did you say that he he built a lot of the furniture? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything yeah. was like hand hand built um, in whatever way. I mean, there's a way to be like, oh, it's fun and rustic and also to be like, mm, we're also just poor. <laughs> so right. you can just be like, right. this is totally how they did it back in the 900s. Before <laughs> money was made. Right, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I'm like, okay, sure. Before uh, <laughs> axes were, were, yeah, it ceased to be currency. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So his house was just like a fucking hoarder's den of like literally just looked like a a medieval set you know yeah. and there was like spears and axes and swords everywhere like i always joke like people talk about gun control and i'm like mm, sword control was a real <laughs> big problem at my dad's house <laughs> and like if him and my brother were getting in fights like they were like literally reaching for like actual swords and like it was just total disaster <laughs> like madness yeah, that sounds horrifying yeah uh, my dad's also from oklahoma so he's an oki so that is like a very good cultural crossover for um being like a volatile warrior yeah. kind of vibe. Um, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Do you rem- was it was it like gradual as he got like the new furniture and the stuff, or was <laughs> it like immediately the first time you went there? It was weapons and homemade furniture. Yeah, and it was immediate. Pretty pretty much, and everybody like knew that about him that he like that's what he lived like honestly like in many ways like he never lived in this century like he didn't have an id for most of my life didn't have a job didn't drive a car yeah uh stayed inside mostly uh again he's has mental (laughs) illness issues um and also went unmedicated and was never ever like in the system so he was very much lived outside like like culturally he lived off the grid if that makes sense you know no absolutely Um, and so yeah everything was just like every weekend down there was just him coming up with some like when people are like oh yeah on on weekends i go to my dad's house and we'd like watch football or we'd go to little league i'm like oh we'd like carve topless goddess idols and then my dad would have me curse people he hated (laughs) like (laughs) it was very very bizarre so did you know the people he asked you to curse oh yeah because it was my mom usually Oh my god. <laughs> he would like like I feel like this is what would happen. He would read some new Viking book or something or watch some see some documentary on like A&E or whatever and then be like, "Oh, this is something Vikings used to do or like old, you know, Celts or something." And so he would like do his version of it. So it would be like, "Oh, they used to make these like wax dolls that were like let's say they were kind of like voodoo dolls." Right. So suddenly like the the whole kitchen would just be like covered in melted wax and there would be like a weird ball there that i had to like shape into a goddess and then we'd like do some weird shit or whatever um so he was very much about like that kind of worship he still he still had the uh the pagan like ceremonies which is Mm -hmm. where he also had this kind of like ring of i would call them loser dudes who (laughs) were also into this and he was like their chief and they were like the brothers of his little pagan squad do you think um, they believed it as much as he did, or was it, it more social for them? I think they were like entertained by it because gotcha. they would get to dress up and they would 
play drums or whatever, you know? Right. Um, but when this was going on, like my brother was out of, mostly out of the house because he's um, older than me and I would be like seven years old and then there would just be some like raucous pagan party and I would just be like looking around like who are these fucking losers? <laughs> like why are these grown men in full fur outfits or whatever? Right. Uh, and so they, I think they like got a kick out of it, but then my dad would be like very serious about like, oh, we're going to do this. And like, um, like sacrificing animals in a sense where like a lot of people are like, oh, that sounds like, it sounds like satanic or something. And I'm like, no, Satan had nothing to do with it. This was about Odin. Okay. So (laughs) it's a big difference. (laughs) Um, and there's kind of not that big a difference between like sacrificing an animal and just slaughtering it at home, which sounds very like farm to table these days, you know? Yeah. Uh, but one of the things is like my dad would like these feasts to be very, uh, like as accurate as possible. So like, you know, you read about like Henry the eighth or something used to eat like pheasant or quail, like, like stuff we eat now is like not what they ate back in the middle ages, you know? And so my dad had a hookup at the, uh, the LA Arboretum and you know, there's a lot of peacocks there. And so I remember for one of the, uh, pagan parties, he like, I think we like went on a heist for peacocks from the center and he yeah he killed them and then served them at that party what do you mean by heist well we uh, we, we took them from the, the <laughs> <laughs> they were taken there's so many th- stories i'm like i just have to consider like is there a statute of limitations is this something i should be saying right. um yeah so again we had yeah if you don't want to get into no DJ. no no it's i'm it's fine by me. I don't know if the right. LA Arboretum wants this publicized, but we right. took, um, yeah, we took peacocks from the lawns of the Arboretum and then my dad killed them and served them at a pagan party. And Did you would, watch him do this? The, um, the slaughtering? Like, how often were you? Sometimes it had already happened by the time I got there for the yeah. weekend visitation, but there was often some sort of, like, creature in the freezer that my dad had either picked up for like roadkill or like he, we had like an owl in there for a while and i don't know where one would procure these things but it's a dead frozen owl. yeah just dead frozen owl or and it would always just be like oh well that's just for dad's like magic later or something <laughs> like, did he eat the roadkill yeah yeah oh yeah and one time like i was in high school and did he feed it to you yeah i had to yeah sometimes i peacock's not great (laughs) 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 i'll say that um one time in high school like i was walking back from the bus stop with him and then there was like a rabbit in the road and my dad had some friend who was like back at the house and my dad was like pick up that rabbit and i was like i don't want to fucking pick up roadkill and he's like pick it up and uh and it was like dead and like it bled out or whatever and i remember he's like put it in your like bag and i was like oh my volleyball uniform's in my bag like i don't want to get dead rabbit blood on it but he didn't give a shit he was like put it in your fucking bag and then he was like and when we get there throw this at my friend's feet and like you know like again like some wench offering or something yeah and i was like this is not gonna go well for me (laughs) um did you do it i did yeah i mean he didn't have a choice he was crazy <laughs> yeah do, do you feel un- tell me if i'm misreading do you feel like uncomfortable that you like were in the situation where you had to, to well do yeah th- no one wants to pick up fucking roadkill in the <laughs> middle of no you know you, well you were also a child you were how well this, th- this one I, th- that time i was a teenager i was like you're 15 i think well, um, still you're with your you're with your dad. but oftentimes no i mean i was well aware that i was like we are oh this is like you know real there's there's also a fine line between like, oh, I'm a practicing Viking and, oh, I'm super white trash. <laughs> like, there's a lot of crossover, you know? Yeah. Roadkill, making your own alcohol, 
like brewing your own liquor. Right. My dad was into brewing his own mead. And he, again, he wanted always to do these things in like the quote authentic way, which ended up being some weird like oaky white trash way. So uh, mead is like made with honey, right? Uh-huh. And uh, and there's something about the fermentation, whatever. You're supposed to like put it underground and then let it ferment and then like bring it back up. But every time he would like bring it back up for some pagan feast and try to open it and then it would just fucking the whole canister just like explode. So for like 20 years, we just had like a mead splattered ceiling in the kitchen at my dad's house from every failed mead party ever. Uh, but yeah, I remember being like very young and, uh, and like, okay, there's also a thing, right? If a pagan party starts, you have to like pour the mead into the Viking horn, the drinking horn. Right. And then like everyone's supposed to like take a sip of it. Just I guess it's t- kind of Catholic in terms of the like sacrament or whatever. But yeah, but they they, they honors it. They steal. They stole a lot of it from pagan. Yeah, ritual, yeah, exactly. It know? is repurposed. It's true. Yeah. Um, but I just remember being like one, being like six, and being like meat is gross, and two, being like, do I have to drink this thing that all fourteen of these of your weird friends just drank? Right. You know, and the answer was always yes. So, it uh, it was really fun. Um, <laughs> very chill, very normal. And the weird thing is, like, I would go down there, and he would have these like all this like shenanigans and craziness happening happening and then i would come back to my mom's house and like say nothing like there was a very like code of silence between the uh-huh. two houses and so but you never articulated it verbally <laughs> don't say don't tell me what's happening um yes and no like when she lost the custody battle i think my mom was very like she was just so like emotionally broken from right. it and she kind of came home and was like you're going to see your dad every other weekend you're going to go down there and i'm not going to ask you about it and she just kind of like couldn't talk about like i think it was just too much for her and she kind of and also she knew him and his vibes so she knew it was probably going to get crazy and there was also like uh as part of the custody agreement slash restraining order my dad wasn't allowed to like call my mom's house ever like Uh i could only contact him and we could only write letters and stuff so um again i guess we were living in a world without technology so my dad could just you know he would just like send a pigeon over to me or whatever (laughs) um But so there was very much like code of silence. I was living like two lives where my normal like suburban life was like friends and school and volleyball practice. And then going into my dad's like totally insane world where uh, we're just cursing people and things like that. Yeah. (laughs) All the time. It's so interesting because you don't you don't when when you get to because obviously the podcast listeners can't see you, but you don't look like someone who has a Viking history. <laughs> you look you look more like someone who has an Orange County suburbs yeah, history. Yeah, I look like a, just like a, a white blonde chick. Yeah. Just a regular basic bitch. Um, <laughs> you don't know, yeah, that I'm a fucking princess well, of, a, you, you, of a Viking chief. <laughs> sometimes you come off very cold until someone talks to you and then you're incredibly, you're incredibly warm once you actually... But True, but I do have, I have a cultivated uh, air of of um disdain no yeah. <laughs> i'm the same no, way <laughs> where people think people people so many of my f- close friends were like i thought you hated me because you were just so oh yeah and i'm like no i'm just i just am bad at social you're just quiet in your life you know yeah. but also i mean i think that's cultivated from like just living in my dad's house which was like pure insanity and craziness and you just have to cultivate like a very cool demeanor and yeah. like not let things get you riled up or whatever. And right. he was like a super rageaholic. And that was a big part of his like Vikingness was that it like to him gave him an excuse to like literally go on the war path, you know? Yeah. And like become this kind of like heightened comic book version of himself right. or something. Um, 
but it was always this like and sometimes as I got older I would kind of like joke about it but he was not cool <laughs> like he was not happy with if you that made jokes about yeah it. yeah and uh or like I remember I think something like bad like maybe I didn't get something or something bad had happened once and then he was like that's because you haven't fucking sacrificed anything to Odin or uh, if you would like, you turned your back on the gods, so they're gonna curse you for the rest of your life. <laughs> I was like, oh, this shit again. <laughs> like, um, and I'm guessing, I'm guessing that was that was. Co- what's weird is that that's pretty common. I feel like in every religion. I know it is, but this is just such an old TBT religion that right. it's like, come on, dude. And you don't even have like a template to like go like literally. He would just like pull stuff from any like the discovery channel yeah the dis- literally the discovery <laughs> channel and national geographic and then just like be like oh no this is for sure what they used to do right. or like um but also he was very serious about it like i remember being little and getting like a paper cut and my finger was bleeding and he's like go feed odin like go put your blood on the odin statue and i was like do i again it's like do i have to okay <laughs> like every time and i remember just being like this is fucking cr- disturbing yeah like d- but yeah, did you feel? And I'm, did I'm guessing he made or you made the Odin statue? Um, he did. Yeah, that one was his. But they were like everywhere. There was like how big? How big were they? There's multiple sites. First of all, you think there's just one Odin. There's multiple Odins and Thors and right. whatever. Um, and if people don't know, like Odin, I think he got one of his eyes pecked out by a vulture or something. So he's like, he only has one eye. Right. Um, just wanted to like paint that picture for and you guys. And he's he's the he's the kind of the king of the gods. He's the ch- yeah, he's like the Zeus. And then he's also the god of he's the god of something else as well, right? War, I believe. War. Okay. Thor, well, Thor is the god of war. You know what's so crazy is one time and I I do jokes about this and I kind of reference it in my act, but but also it really depends because it's so crazy and it's so out of the norm and also anything pagan like for anyone who grew up like Judeo-Christian, yeah. pagan is like the enemy and it's the devil yeah. and so especially like starting stand-up in orange county like if i would start to talk about this like crowds would get freaked out and weirded out by right. it so i had to like very much like kind of massage the way i would like talk about it or not talk about it at all because sometimes they would just get people would just be so weirded out and be like what the fuck are you talking about yeah um so you, yeah so usually people did not connect to it but one time i was doing a show actually in la at a house for like homeless formerly homeless wounded Iraq war vets and they were all the sad thing is they're all like under 30 yeah like they were like our age um but I'm starting to do this joke and da 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 and I'm like talking about my dad and Thor and then this guy in the front row he just like stares at me and he reaches into his shirt and he pulls out and he's wearing a Thor hammer and I was like oh what's up dude (laughs) (laughs) but then it made sense to me that I was like oh no but like Thor's is like god of war and all about warrior protection so I for a guy like that like it makes sense that that would get to like I get right. it, you know, dude. Yeah. It's like it's your amulet or whatever. Yeah, and it makes sense to reach out to something spiritual if that's right. what you're around constantly. And there is no modern god of war. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was the only time an audience member has ever responded, <laughs> like <laughs> positively. Yeah, and then I felt bad because I was like, "Well, I'm about to shit all over your yeah. <laughs> the one thing that's getting you through your PTSD." And so, he slowly so sorry. tucks the amulet yeah. back. <laughs> Uh, that's actually that's actually I mean I have a bunch of questions I was gonna ask this later but I'll I'll ask it now since it, it's caught up is between like you know it I feel like in the last five years like especially in Orange County people are very cagey about anything that is not Christianity mm-hmm. um, and paganism even more so I'm 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 assuming but now especially in LA but everywhere you know that kind of like 
spiritual pagan I identify as yeah or I even crystal. have like people who grew up evangelical Christian friends who are Christian that are like into like full moon manifesting right. stuff so it is this very like new agey thing that has suddenly become like so hip and popular you right know? so it's been those two extremes of uh immediately skittish and then the other side is they go oh I'm into that too and you have to sit there and go yeah but that's not yeah. At all <laughs> what I experienced. Yeah. And I'm guessing, like, I just know from my, I'd feel very misunderstood if people, like, connected with me but didn't really understand what it was. What, yeah. Which is easier to tolerate between those two? Because I'm guessing Good question. you said the only <laughs> one time it's been positive. Yeah. And honestly, it sounds almost relatable as that one <laughs> <Right>. guy <laughs> the one wounded warrior um well it's interesting i don't i honestly don't have much of a feeling about it in a sense because having grown up like with this dad who was living in a fucking true fantasy world right um and my mom is was unitarian which is like kind of wacky for other people but that's basically like um kind of just like a social justice religion like right. they're very open to everyone they're all about like peace and love and find your own truth and path and you're cool um but growing up between like two extremes and then also growing up in orange county where all my friends were evangelical christians like the hardcore ones yeah um i was like all religion is a fucking joke like yeah. i just was very anti very like agnostic at best atheist you know at usual um and i felt like everyone's fucking insane <laughs> like no matter what their vibe is and honestly even it's like i joke about my dad and people are like that's fucking crazy that like he would like sacrifice a peacock you know and then i'm like yeah but you're eating a cracker you think is jesus yeah. like <laughs> who were all crazy it was normal to me right right, right. um yeah. so i i'm kind of just like anti religion across the board but right. If anything, I like, but I, what I do like is that people are like embracing, especially as you mentioned, like most of the stuff that like Judeo-Christian people practice is adapted pagan right, stuff, right. whether or not they want to say it, you know, or even like the Catholic missions are like natives built those like native slaves had to build those, but yeah. they actually like built them on coordinates that were like their old temples and like there's a reason on the solstice the sun comes through the, the mission at a certain point you right. know like it's all humans have been doing this stuff for like thousands of years and i do think that like if there is any god their only god is nature <laughs> like yeah it's the thing we can't control like no matter how hard you try it's it's vengeful it's coming for us <laughs> like yeah. especially now with climate change um but i think that it's a like nature is something to be respected and so i do like like full moon circles and stuff, even though it's and then no, there's a joke of it being very like basic white girl who thinks sure. she's a witch or whatever. But I think we should be more in touch with like nature and ourselves and our higher consciousness and spirituality and our stuff. So I don't, yeah. I don't mind that uh, so much. Like I think it's cool. I know some people also feel like people are white people are appropriating other cultures with like ayahuasca and stuff like that. Sure. And like, that's totally fine. Um, but also again, I've been living this way since the year 900. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'm a child of the um, the 1590s, actually, right. <laughs> which and is well, you, where you, the Renaissance yeah, Fair is set, just so you guys know. And, and you you hide it incredibly well. <laughs> I know but it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were talking about like the normalcy of it. And because this started, this started, you said you were seven when you started going and having visitations. Right. Right. And before then I would have spot, you know, 
I would still have like monthly visitations or something, but yeah, seven was like when he had his own place or was living with my stepmom. And at that age, I figure like, especially since you were kind of born into the Renaissance mm-hmm. Festival, that like there is some normalcy to that chaos, right? And at what point did you start feeling like this is not normal? Normal. <laughs> yeah, um, I think it was. It was just usually when my dad, who is very like um, manic and episodic and stuff. And right. so uh, it would just like fuel his like neuroses or whatever, you know. So uh-huh. like I said, I would come down and he'd be like mad at my mom. So he'd be like, we're going to spend the whole weekend making dolls to curse your mom, <laughs> you know. And I'd be like, oh, this doesn't feel like it's <laughs> um, part of what you should be doing. But OK. Or um, he, you know wouldn't want to like talk to women because he was a Viking chief and didn't want to be addressed by a woman or like crazy, whatever his like manic thing was that day. You know, I feel like I'm talking about this like very, um, monotonously. (laughs) And yes, it was as crazy as it sounds. Um, but I, I knew. I don't, I don't know why you think that you talk <laughs> about monotonously. Well, I'm just like, yeah. So you, you know, when your dad thinks he's a chief and doesn't want women to address him because they're lower than him, you know how. It right. Goes. Well, <laughs> I mean, that's that's exactly what we're talking about. Is like it was normal. Yeah. To, it's like, like that's you just got to roll with the punches. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guessing at the time you didn't have a ton of feelings on it because you were just used I mean, to it. Yeah. I I knew that that's how my dad was, but I knew that it wasn't normal. You right. know, and also like. I parts of it were like so yeah sure sometimes it's fun to like dress up and jump around a fire pit or whatever right. but then y- oftentimes it was like oh this is fucking weird but also like any kid growing up will be like oh I didn't want to go to Sunday school you know and I'm like I didn't really want to get on that Viking ship but <laughs> I guess I had to <laughs> which I will tell that story in one second but okay. um and so I think as a kid, I was like kind of half fantastical, half weird. And then um, it, it was fun when I was like maybe 12, because that's like when young girls start to become into like the craft or like witches and stuff like that. My right. dad did have this very, very old um, like witchcraft book that was like a first edition. I think it was from like, honestly, the 1800s or something. like that. It was like really old. And honestly, I don't even know how he found it, because in that era, it would have been very, very like taboo yeah he would have got yeah. it through some weird like fucking eyes wide shut cult right, or something right. in the victorian era i don't know anyway so he had this book which was very cool and so i liked that and i remember like being like oh i'm like a witch you know and then i remember one time asking my dad like could i like seriously fly and then i remember he was just like you'd probably just have to do a lot of bad stuff for the dark lord first <laughs> and it was like a very serious answer to that question and i was like well i don't feel like doing that because i want to go to volleyball so anyway <laughs> i'm good but then when it got older, it was like, oh, God. And also, like, you know, my dad, he can't be in public a lot because he tends to have, like, meltdowns or weird people out because he does doesn't. Does he know that or the people around him know that? Uh, He doesn't know that. Like, the people around him know that. Right. And uh, he, like, because he'll just talk to you, like, straight-laced, like, well, you know how Odin cursed my ex-wife. And you're like, what? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and he has emotional issues so he just like can't be around people like he's literally even he himself would say like he was never socialized like he's feral like he does not give a fuck what you think he'll say what he wants he's crazy he has like emotions of a two-year-old so like right if he's gonna freak out in the middle of a bookstore he's gonna freak out in the middle of a bookstore there's nothing you can do yeah um so i always just had a lot of like shame about that behavior and stuff and so um growing up it was very much like 
all right, let's get the fuck out of here. But also the older I got, it wasn't even about his religion at all. It was like his personality and his like insanity and and anger and things, you know, like he, um, but he would like play stuff off as though it was, uh, like Viking related. Like he would talk to people who weren't there or like get in fights with them. And like, I mean, literally be like punching the air and like, responding to people that weren't there and then Uh i'd be like dad what's going on and he'd be like oh just doing my viking aerobics (laughs) (laughs) is that what he said he called it viking aerobics viking (laughs) yeah and i was like "Mm, a healthcare professional might call that um schizophrenic hallucinations (laughs) but yeah let's go with viking aerobics yeah yeah norse richard simmons (laughs) is not in the room (laughs) yeah so um stuff like that but it was yeah it was just weird i feel like the pinnacle story that i always tell is like he uh he wanted to build a viking ship you know much like i guess he was like the noah of his pagan squad or something right. he wanted to build a viking ship and he actually lived in uh del mar which is like near la jolla which there's actually like these marshlands kind of near his house yeah it's a very th- that's a very nice area very swanky area long story of like why right, my stepmom right. lived there um but yeah and it's like bmws and mercedes and like fine ha- like fancy beach properties and then there's my and dad's one like son of odin yeah and one son of odin exactly um and so my dad was building this viking ship in our front yard like had he built a ship before no did he have the <laughs> materials no so for many years i remember like you know he'd like give me a buck or something be like go put this in front out front of like the viking ship it was like in the front yard right like under a tarp but half eaten it was just always a mess so he was spending like these years and i don't know how he was even fucking like collecting or like salvaging paints or wood whatever so finally it's like the day comes when he's like the viking ship is ready for its launch so he calls all his homies he calls my brother who's a teenager at that point and his friends to come over and they're happy because there's going to be like weed and mushrooms probably there And, of course, I just arrive as a normal, like, on a Saturday morning for a weekend visitation. He's just like, guess what? <laughs> We're launching the Viking ship tonight. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, of course, my stepmom was like, I am not a part of this, but, you know, here's Katie. Have fun, kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, of course, my dad's like, well, you know, every ship needs, like, a virgin to bless it. So, here, you're going to be our, like, symbolic ceremonial maiden or whatever so he like hands me my costume again I'm, i think i was probably like nine or something which he's like this is your costume and i'm like mm, this is a pillowcase but okay <laughs> <laughs> just like literally with, like a neck and like two armholes cut out of it it had to have been weird it feels like they or maybe it's just the stories you're telling they made you like a like a popper child a lot yeah yeah i mean you know a kid's gotta have a role somehow i right. guess that's where like really where my showbiz beginnings start but it's <laughs> weird no. that they didn't they didn't ma- maybe it was a money thing but they yeah. didn't make you you know princess odin or something like no that. i mean there's no mo- yeah no it's i mean we're working on a budget here right he could have run like all the money's going to the boat yeah he could have uh won like um project runway <laughs> viking edition <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah there's <laughs> yeah so he's like put this on i'm like okay it's also like it was it was the whole point was that we were going to launch the ship at sundown so it's also like fucking cold and i'm like shivering in a pillowcase and i just ride white keds on and uh and my friend my dad and his friends are already like drinking mead and they're getting rowdy they're all dressed up like vikings mind you and so dad's like okay well time to march the ship on down to the to the uh, marsh so he's like, all right, Katie, lead the procession. And I'm like, why am I fucking leading? Like, and again, I'm like, I'm a kid. I'm like, why am I leading these fucking how, losers? How old were you again at this Like point? nine, probably. Nine. I think I was nine. And uh, he's like, all right, so we're, we're going. And we're like walking from his house. They're like 
taking the ship from his house down to the marsh. They have to cross like it's kind of like a PCH, and like literally it's sundown. There's BMWs and Mercedes like trying to get home for their like yachts or whatever, and I'm like a viking child walking across this like busy stretch followed by vikings and people are literally slamming on their brakes like what the fuck is happening (laughs) am i fucking high right now holy shit and so sure enough they and they're like singing songs and stuff and i'm just like in shame like my head is like down i'm just like walking against my will like i look like i was a fucking captive i'm sure yeah um so they get into the marsh they put the boat in and mind you this was like not a viking ship so much as like a viking rowboat like we didn't he didn't even have the like the dragon the classic dragon on Uh it and why because to him he's like that's not authentic which was his excuse for anything he couldn't afford (laughs) was like "Mm, okay and so they get in of course they're like well katie's got to bless it or be the like ceremonial maiden so they put me in it and it becomes quickly clear that my dad built a ship but maybe didn't water seal it entirely (laughs) so i'm like sitting in this like rickety giant long boat and like water's coming up and they're like you know the other guys are like hopping in and stuff and soon you know because it's all these like freaking fat vikings yeah. <laughs> in the ship so they're it's like still jumping in even when the boat is sinking. oh yeah because they didn't really didn't realize until well, they were just all drunk? the fatties were in and yeah. then it's like starting to come up and i just remember literally like shivering and like seeing like like rose in titanic like seeing fucking like water coming up over my kids and then they realize oh this is actually taking on water this isn't like stuff that got into the boat as we were all yeah. getting in you know and so then they were like oh fuck they're like we need something to bail it out now across the street from the marsh was a circle k and so they like <laughs> half the guys were in the boat half were still on land and we're like floating away and they've like lost a fucking oar in the panic half the guys are like hopping out and they're like we need to bail the ship out so they literally conduct a viking raid on circle k they all run across the fucking street terrorizing the poor middle eastern clerks they run in and they are scooping up big empty big gulp cups so they can come back and throw them into the boat so that we can bail out because they're still trying to like they were just very determined that they were going to have like a full little like row around the marsh or whatever and uh and mind you like fur is very wet when it or very heavy when it gets wet yeah. so they're like bogged down like fucking like quicksand coming back trying to get it in so finally they're like fuck it like abandon ship they like hop out somebody pulls me out i'm like soaked from the fucking malay and uh uh we got back and i just remember my stepmom like coming out to see us and i i think i was covered and also it's like literally a marsh so i think i was like wet and covered in mud just like a poor poor true sacrifice to these right. men um and i just remember my stepmom just like opening the door and looking at me and just like shaking her head and being like all right come in and uh yeah they just went back with they fucking dragged the ba- the stupid ship back and uh had their like party for the night like drums fire whatever and the ship just eventually rotted away over the next de- decade i think it's like halfway there i think it's still there and i think it's halfway rotted um so that's the time i almost drowned in a viking ship <laughs> yeah how deep how deep was it by the time they started it was probably uh, i think probably the middle of the, sh- the marsh was like maybe six feet or something okay um, still it's still deep yeah i mean your kid <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> just like why is this happening must be horrifying you remember how you felt or you just kind of dissociated that i point? think it was like half dissociation half or like some dissociation some like anger because i was like this bullshit and then just a lot of like what fucking losers man like i was just like okay one of us here is a child and 15 of us are grown people and like one of us is making a mess for their fantasy right now right you know um 
half of them are are robbing a circle. <laughs> yes, yes. For cups <laughs> to save the north. Yeah, for, to save the the Viking princess. Um, yeah. and. I can't believe, like, and I say this, and I don't mean to joke about it, but I'm like, I also can't believe I was never molested because these dudes were, like, unmarried weirdos in their, like, 30s and 40s who anyone who's hanging out with my dad has to be fucking nuts, you know? Right. And, uh, and I'm so glad you weren't. I wasn't, thank God. It, but also, again, it's like. The first time you, because you've, you've already told me you weren't. And the yeah. first time I just assumed that happened. Yeah. And I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> like, I know it's good to say. I know. Like, saying it just is good. But I know. It's like. The, the, no, the it's way you true. Tell the story, yeah. I just assume like oh, I'm not gonna bring that up, right? You, you know, yeah. and no, I was I, very <laughs> relieved to hear that didn't happen. To you no, it wasn't. But I think I think well, maybe because you don't touch the chief's daughter, or else you get like beheaded or something. I don't right, fucking know. Right. But also, it's like they were like a loser. And sometimes I think about those guys now, and they all have these stupid fucking names. Like one of my dad's friends, like actually legally changed his name to Thor. <laughs> that was like actually his legal name um that's not even considered like stolen valor for no (laughs) no it's probably like legally honorable um but they were just like lonely losers and sometimes i'm like maybe some of them were like secretly gay or asexual like or just like just fucking nerds you know um that or or it was like that contingent and then my dad had another contingent of friends that were like criminals or uh nefarious character you know right. like i remember one time my dad picking me up from the train and being like oh my friend is uh, back at the house he just got out the clink and i'm like okay great and again it's like i was a younger like i was not 13 i mean i was probably like this is between like maybe i was like seven or eight and i remember this dude had just gotten out of jail for domestic abuse with his old lady or something and he's just telling me like you know, then I'm doing this. You know, I didn't even touch the bitch that much, you know? And then she's fucking calling the cops. And I remember just like sitting on a like kitchen chair and like my being short enough that like my legs are swinging and being like, yeah, you didn't even touch that bitch that much, did you? <laughs> <laughs> and being like, man, these old ladies, huh? They need to get it together. <laughs> and he was like ripped as fuck. Like, I mean, I, in my mind, he was like a hell's angel or something. Right. Um, I don't think he was affiliated, but. Some a he character like that, like. yeah, just like ripped as fuck, tattoos, just bald white guy, you know. Yeah, probably yeah. some sort of yeah. Some some something. some gang affiliation. Yeah, uh, who knows? But uh, yeah, so I luckily that didn't happen, but it did make me like very. Were I'm, you afraid that was gonna happen as a kid, or that just didn't? No, but like I will that? say this: I remember my stepmom telling me like once she was like. The rule in this house is you're never allowed to be alone in a room with one of your dad's friends. Yeah. And I was like, if that's a rule you're telling your child, none of these men should be in this house right now. Yeah. You know? Um, So that was a rule, too, is like, don't be alone with any of them. Right. Your dad has to be in the room, Um, which, again, not a great rule in a household. (laughs) (laughs) But I did meet a lot of interesting gentlemen. I learned a lot of interesting worldviews and thoughts on race and, um, and pigs, you know, a lot of that so it was like the way i kind of envision it is like life at my dad's house i basically was like a stowaway on an actual pirate ship you know yeah like it was like a secret child living with a band of pirates yeah Um, yeah yeah so it's like it made me tough it made gave me a sense of humor and i will say like as crazy as my dad is even people he's like threatened to kill people who hate him so much will still be like he's the funniest person I've ever met because yeah. he's like wickedly funny he like I honestly I feel like he's 
he's like the he's straight up like Heath Ledger's Joker. Like he's insane. He has no sense of anything. You're the only person <laughs> to say that about someone as a compliment. I mean, <laughs> well, that's a nice version of him. But like, but he's like wickedly funny. He'll make you laugh at stuff despite yourself. Or yeah. um, I'm trying to think of like recent. Was there a time as a kid that just like he, he would he would he like la- make you laugh as a kid or what you it was the humor was kind of ahead of you at that time? No, he uh, he would he'd yeah. he'd be very good and I mean I was very savvy also like because he was like uncivilized like I could cuss at his house since I was little he encouraged uh-huh. it like which is why I was also halfway like like a little white trash kid. You right. know what I mean? Like a little kid in a wife beater. Bonding with Being like, prisoners. you goddamn motherfucker piece of shit. <laughs> and he'd be like, good, say it again. Now this time say cunt, <laughs> you know? Um, so I like, not that I like that, but I was very allowed. It was freeing. Yeah, yeah, it was freeing, you know? Um, I was really practicing my freedom of speech. It was totally inappropriate for a child to be um, exposed to most of those things. And then the, I think the weird part, like... I don't think that's the lead of yeah. the things you shouldn't have been exposed to. Um, and then the thing that, like, I will say that was, like, upsetting. And again, it's like, again, I wasn't, like, sexually abused or anything, thank God. But part of the pagan thing is, like, a lot of talk about virginity and fertility and stuff. Yeah. So, like, I have a joke in my act, which is, like, uh, which this actually happened when I was, like, I think it was my 15th birthday. And we were, like, having a feast and, like, uh, my brother and other people were around. And my dad was like, all right, Katie, like, you get to bless this, like, solstice or whatever table because you're the only virgin in the room. And that's, like, stuff that's, like, no one ever needs to be said in front of their family ever, you know. And I think I remember being, like, super upset and embarrassed by that, of course. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think any... People, if you're if you're in your teens or a kid, just anyone bringing up anything sexual, anything sexual, and I was like, why am I hearing this around my brother and my stepmother? Like this is horrible, you know. Or him and his, uh, like again, because there's a lot of this stuff is about like fertility. So he would do these like weird. um, He had these like avant-garde Viking shows he was doing for a while with again his his loser squad, right? And like, you know, like. When I say like fertility rit- rituals, I just mean like a lot of obsession with like virginity, dicks, oh. <laughs> like, oh, okay. you know, or like, I don't know. It's just like very fucking inappropriate in terms right. of like, and again, like I didn't feel like that. It was never directed at you. Yeah, not that, yeah. but it's like, I don't need to know about my dad and my brother's dicks right now. Like, I don't care <laughs> what fucking magic you're doing to stay hard or whatever, you know? Right. Um, so that was creepy as fuck right Um, was there there was just a lot of was there a lot of just like vague nudity no thank god but just like you know my dad doing some spell to get my brother laid or something i was just like (laughs) god you've like fucking losers yeah so i just in my mind i was just always in the corner scowling and just being like you i'm gonna i hate you guys (laughs) um yeah so yeah and then when i turned 18 i didn't have to illegally like visit him anymore uh-huh. So then, uh, I I wasn't as exposed to it, but um, right. or not exposed to it, but just extracting myself from the lifestyle. Yeah, <laughs> and it seemed like the, the it seemed like the older you got, the less and less and less you wanted to be around that. And I'm guessing the more Shocking. you under, <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 not, not being like how come, right, but right. Like, and it probably, I mean, part of it is just like the more you age, the more you realize how different it is from normal. I think that's yeah. something so weird is like 
in some ways it's wacky. I also like growing up other than maybe my close, close, closest best friends or something. And even then, like I didn't talk about what was happening. Like they knew my dad was wacky. They knew it was weird, but I, I mean, how do you come home? Like, you know, I didn't tell my mom, I didn't talk to any. It's like, and what do you say? Like, you know, my dad like killed a peacock and cursed you this weekend, mom. <laughs> like, what do you, right. you know, so there's a lot of stuff I like didn't, mostly like, didn't talk about and wanted to forget as quickly as possible. Um, and then you get older and you start to tell people about stuff. And it's that thing of like, if you've been through any sort of trauma, like, you know, you might tell someone and then they start crying or like they can't handle it because they're so upset or disturbed by yeah. it. And then you're like, you Makes know, you, you want to tell yourself, or for me, a lot of times I want to be like, look, dude, like it, it wasn't that crazy. My life, you know, you know, it's wacky, but it's not that crazy. And then you tell someone something and then they're like, what? And you're like, oh, is that really weird? <laughs> <laughs> oh, have you not heard of that before? You know, or even like being a comedian, we meet so many people of all sorts of religious backgrounds, right? You know, yeah. so like some kids are like immigrant kids. They're like, oh man, my Muslim parents, it's like so embarrassing. And I'm like, oh, you want to talk? weird and embarrassing <laughs> like nobody relates to this and there's nobody to talk to about this there's no like oh you know how things get crazy at ramadan in my house it's like no right you know I mean, how it gets dark and weird every day at my house yeah and that and that's the main reason you didn't want to talk, talk to anybody about it yeah it's like what are you gonna fucking say and i also was like i felt so much like shame because it's fucking weird you know it's weird and a lot of this is like it's i mean as people have probably like Inf or inferred like it's yes my dad was pagan but like 90 percent my dad was very mentally ill <laughs> yeah and deeply disturbed and we like going living with him or visiting him it was like you are entering a madman's fantasy world yeah. and that is what the craziness was or the trauma or shame comes from is like okay things are about to get weird for the next 48 hours and then try to go back to your normal life you know right so and it was almost it was almost uh, I'm guessing there was something to entering it and leaving it where you 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 had to compartmentalize. Yeah, 100%. And I think that was very that's something I haven't like only as I'm older thought about, but my my two parents, my two worlds were so 100% different. Like yeah. like even sometimes especially since the whole Trump election, I'm like, wow, I'm like, you know, I I am of the two worlds of white people. You know, like my mom is like a liberal who is like a hardworking public school teacher. She like has volunteered at like immigrant detention centers way before any of this was in the news. Like she's yeah. a very hardcore before person. It was cool. she yeah. Was yeah. Way before. And then my dad is like Oklahoma never graduated high school. Uh, he got kicked out of high school cause he had long hair. Like that was the era of Oklahoma. <laughs> right. he, he, you know, um, he like lives off the rails. He's never had health insurance. He's never had a job. Like he, they just could not be more different. And sometimes I'm like, how, in what fucking world do people like this, like come together? But, you know, to everybody's reports, like my dad wasn't always like that, you know? Yeah. There was, and there was he, and I will say like, he has had, and my compassion for him comes in that, like he's had the level of trauma that makes a Batman supervillain. Yeah. Like truly. He's been through it. Yeah. So I have compassion for that. The problem is like, you can have trauma, but, you can't become a villain like you know yeah. so he has like entered a world and like you know he doesn't like always live in our reality and stuff and he's also unmedicated and so he like i have compassion for him as a human i still love him in my heart as my dad but i can't have a relationship with him because like 
I don't, you know, why would you, I can't, I can't. Yeah. It's unhealthy. It's really hard. Um, and he's also just like very, again, because of the whole, like his old Viking idea is like all about like rage and warrior stuff, you know, like he, like growing up, he was always like, I have to die with a sword in my hands or else I can't go to Valhalla. Yeah. So he's like always like making me promise to like get a sword in his hand by the time he dies. Right. I'm like, well, I will kill you, and I promise I'll put a sword in your hand <laughs> <laughs> as you bleed out in front of me. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it just got weird. No, it's 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 not like it's it's weird. It's it's weird. Um, but like that's also I'm. There's no there's no judgment. You, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I just it's interesting because I I think one of the struggles of my like life or my trauma is like not having anyone to relate to because it's like people are like my dad was an alcoholic like I a lot of people's dads were alcoholics you know my dad was like absent cool a lot of people's dads are like that my dad was abusive you know or like physically abusive, like cool but I'm like anybody have a mentally ill dad who was a viking <laughs> like yeah. there's nobody I can relate to and the level of like his behavior like he's not a again like he he can't function in society because he can't be around people because he is so I'd say disturbed right. and he's not medicated so it's like I've to this day like I've really never ever met anyone like my dad and that is a statement that most people who meet my dad everyone across the board who has ever met or known my dad is like I've never met anyone not a single human on this earth who's like your dad like they don't um not that they don't exist I'm trying to think of like or in pop culture like people that I would be like oh that reminds me of my dad you know and stuff um and it's like he's very he's very unique yeah. um but he and the situations he created were very unique crazy <laughs> yeah. yeah um but he's very uh i mean i feel sad for him because i i can't imagine living in his brain or his world and like i right. mean both of you and i have you and i have dealt with like mental illness in varying degrees but um he like literally his brain is wired that like anger and pain equals love you know or like abuse like he like literally his synapses are like entirely opposite like if he wants to say he loves you he'll say the meanest thing he could possibly say to you you know it's a very it's kind of textbook like trauma rewiring or whatever so he has no language to be like a normal person but um but it also means like you know he fills my email inbox with total madness and crazy shit that you know i can't deal with so we're estranged in terms of, I mean, you were talking about being able to like relate and stuff with with other people. Was there, was there when you first started? Was it, and you mentioned like telling people and they would freak out. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's part of why, like it it is it is a unique, like feeling? But do you think that experience of telling people and them freaking out kind of imprinted on you that? you are entirely alone because like yeah some, some of the experiences <laughs> right, right. are very are very unique and and that's kind of uh, absolutely yeah but like the i don't know i've i've been trying to gain some comfort lately is like because i've i've felt that way where like the, a lot of people have mental health issues but i've never and people have told me this when i was experiencing them no one or when I got out of it, like, no one went through what you did and then came out right. the other side. And that's very yeah. lonely, it, trying to exp- 
explain it to people, not comparing, just kind of giving right, right, right. that feeling, you know, uh, and it even like for a long time, it upset me when people would try to bond with their own stuff because I'd get hopeful that they would understand. Yeah. And then I would feel more alone when it was something it was something else, which is uh, I, uh, now I feel was an unfair way to feel. But it, or to dismiss them. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. I mean, I was and never dismissive. Yeah, you know, but I it made it did it would make me feel more alone because they would they would open up and they would be vulnerable and it was like they would they'd go through horrible things. Absolutely not discrediting what they went went through, but it was uh you know um it would make me they would it, the, all all interactions would seem like they felt better. And I would feel worse mm. if that makes sense. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. It's I, I struggle with it a lot because again, it's like I'm not trying to be like my pain is worse than da, da, da. you know what I mean. It's just it's it's different and it's so weird that requires so much back not backstory, but um, I feel like I what I do feel not alone in or like I don't I don't think it's any coincidence that I grew up with a dad like this in a world like this surrounded by crazy people criminals what or whatever nefarious people and i don't think it's any uh coincidence that i then chose to become a comedian and being a female comedian right. immersed in a land of only men who are lost boy broken yeah. <laughs> you know like there's no surprise to me that that is my safe space is being surrounded by deeply f- broken men <laughs> right. um, but that said i I, f- I feel a kinship with comedians because off the bat, 99% of the time I know that every single comedian is carrying some deep trauma. Whether right. w- You don't know what it is. You can suspect sometimes. But um, there's the handful of like comedians who are actually funny, who are like happy, wealthy suburb boys who like loved Adam Sandler and they just like loved him and wanted to be yeah. a comedian. I don't fucking understand. I don't know who the fuck. <laughs> like they can go fuck off and die. Like <laughs> I'm like what the fuck? And they're like, yeah, just like, oh man, my bar mitzvah was like Adam Sandler themed and like my parents just always knew I loved comedy. I'm like, go fuck yourself. Like, go fuck yourself. I want to hear about your dead dad and your sexual abuse and this person who fucking survived Iraq. You know, like those are the only people I feel like comfortable around. So I think that there is a familiarity of just trauma, like trauma bond kind of, you know, whether it's like, because at the end of the day, it's like, it's not what happened to you. It's the emotions that you carry with you. Right. So whether that's yeah. shame, fear, anger, um, codependent, like whatever it is, you know? Yeah. So in some ways I, I do only feel like a true kinship with comedians, right. um, who are also comedians who are like open about what they've been. Cause there's some that are very closed off and don't want to say anything, it, which is understandable. Yeah. No, there's no, there's no, there's no shame in that. It's very understandable. Yeah. I wish I was more that way sometime. Right. Yeah. I think that, um, sometimes like, you know, my, my boyfriend's a comic and he's like, you should talk about this stuff more. And I'm like, I, I know because it is what makes me different. And especially like when, if you look at me, you'd never know any of this, you know? Right. And like, probably cause I tried really hard <laughs> to be like, to ass- ass- assume a totally normal form. Um, and I know I should talk about it. It's just like getting to a point where I can talk about it. and also just not make people feel uncomfortable because like I said, it's like weird if I'm talking about like sacrificing animals or, uh, things like that that people are so out of the normal yeah. you know um do you still f- you still feel some shame about 
Yeah, for sure. Um, just how, and I, I also, though, I wonder like, why, why do I have shame about it? Right. Is it just because it was different and not normal, you know? And it's funny cause I know that I look like, I look like Amer- Miss America, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm blonde, I'm thin, I like blue eyes. Like I look like what normal quote America right. is or like what people want to assimilate to or, you know, or whatever. Um, but I'm like, yeah, but I don't have that experience at all. And it's very weird to like look like one thing, but have a totally different um, experience, you know? Yeah. Um, do you, pref- do you honestly, do you think that, do you like that people mistake you? Is that, that no, I think, I think actually it's interesting. I was thinking about this in comedy. Like I had a real chip on my shoulder for a long time where, especially like, I think when you're a young comedian too, like you kind of go on stage, you like just say whatever you feel or like say what's shocking or say, you know right. what I mean? That kind of stuff. And so I think in the early years I was very much like. I'm not who the fuck you think I am and I'm going to say something crazy right now so that you know that. Um, And now I'm able to play with it a little bit more of like, okay, well, I need to accept that this is what people think I am on stage. So like lean into that or lean in and then twist it. Like, um, but it is frustrating in some ways it's like, but also, I mean, what would I look like that people would know that I was a Viking? Oh, they, 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 they'd (laughs) think you were a character. Right. Right. Um, so it is it is frustrating because we all make assumptions about each other. But then also I'm like, what am I going to complain about? Again, I'm like, I'm a thin white woman, <laughs> like who is from Orange County? Like what? You know, that's not a hard thing to be confused for, you know, or right. whatever, or ha- hard thing to carry. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I th- I feel like it's uh it, it it's I'm guessing it's a f- very frustrating thing when it's just not. I think it's I think it's frustrating to be mistaken for something you're not. Yeah, or just people not seeing, like, I think especially when you are dealing with, like, hurt and pain, when people don't, they don't know that it's there. Like, you know, they don't know it, that it's there. And a lot yeah. of us put up front so that they don't know, but um, it it w- has been, like, I think in early years in stand-up it was frustrating that I felt like people didn't fucking know the real me, or people judge me, or they think I'm some, like, basic bitch or whatever. But now it's like, eh, what are you going to do? I mean, everybody, also it's like, how how many times have you had a conversation with someone that you like thought was one way and then they like revealed something to you and you're like, whoa. And you see that like, you're like, wow, I had no, I would never have known that that's something you'd been through or experienced. Yeah. And it makes me like love them so much more, but it's also people I would have totally dismissed before myself. Right. So we just, nobody knows what anybody's like carrying, I guess. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I always think like maybe I'll, do so, like write a book or do a one woman show like something someday about it. But also it's taken a lot of time for me to like heal and understand and not be so like caught in it. Yeah. I mean, when we recorded th- the first time I asked you like, how often do you tell people about this? And you, you, I think you were, you were joking. You were like, this is the first time, <laughs> you, you know, I, and obviously you, you have talked about it to a degree, but like it, I, and it's also very understandable why being open about it, you know, because you, you basically were sent through a time capsule to experience trauma, you know. Yeah, and it's it's weird because I, I will talk about it sometimes, like, at a dinner party or, like, I actually had a meeting with, some, like, an executive and I was, like, kind of j- joking about it. And they were like, what? Like, that, like, blew their mind, you know. Yeah. But it's also because there's, like, 
two versions of it, which is like, oh yeah, there's the very funny like dinner party palatable version of like this was wacky and weird. Yeah. And then the real version of it is like my dad was entirely delusional and we were subject to living in an alternate universe. Right. Um so it's like being treading that line or like wanting to be honest or wanting to joke about it but then also like but you can't say that much of you can't get too real about it because it just freaks it's just a bummer you know and i feel like savvy people can kind of read between the lines but um but i will joke about like the renaissance fair stuff and like wacky parents and blah but but i also part of me is like like when people are like you should talk about that on stage i'm like there's a lot of like dark it gets dark and weird very quickly so yeah i mean i i I, my feelings on it don't matter, but I'm gonna tell them to you because I uh, fucking. <laughs> but I, Please. I, I like dark and weird. Yeah, me, t- me too. But you know how people get. Sure. But also, I think it's a thing, and I've been guilty of this too. Is like, um, like right now I'm talking about it, in a from a good, pl- healthy, more healed place. Yeah. But I certainly have not always been like that, and certainly on stage talked about stuff that was like, okay, you're not okay with this, and then of course that's like the basic rule of comedy is like if you're not healed from it, it's not funny yet to the audience. Right. It's and upsetting and disturbing. Of course, you like like you know, absolutely don't don't share anything that's gonna like trigger something or yeah. Hurt, it's I I'm not you know, I'm okay uh, with it right now. Um, I just sometimes am worried about like how other people perceive it. Or something. Oh, I. But people will I love. But it. I know that people love it though too, because they're. It's. Yeah. It's so crazy, but it's also like, yeah, it's fun to hear, but it's not fun to live. Right. Right. A lot well, of stuff is like that. Though. And there's also there's also there has to be other people out there in the United States <laughs> who have experienced this planet, who have experienced similar things. Yeah. I mean, just like. Just and I don't I don't know the details, but there were there were like even even when I was homeschooled, there were kids. We had once a week park days, and there were there were people who were very 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 pagan, mm-hmm. and they made their own clothes, <laughs> yeah. and they weren't allowed. Everyone had lightsabers. They weren't allowed to use lightsabers because it wasn't it wasn't it was it was too modern or because it was aggressively. It was too modern. Okay, yeah. Well, the, some of it was too it was too uh, aggressive, but yeah. there were definitely like those people. Like they do exist, exist, yeah, and they probably feel alone too. Mm. You know, that's one of that's one of the things. You know, is I've tried to be, you know, and it's once again very different. I'm not comparing, but I've tried to be more open and honest about my shit in hopes to meet more people who yeah. have kind of gone gone down. Like yeah, I thought it was John Wayne Gacy from fourteen <laughs> to twenty two, and it turns out like I would love to have that conversation because it's a very uh, you know it is y- you know what I mean yeah, and I'm sure there's other people there's other people out there and probably a lot of them don't want to talk uh, talk about yeah. it you know but I think I think if you're in a place where you can and that's the most important thing like there are like people sharing their stories definitely makes them hearing it makes them feel less yeah for sure and i will say that like it's that thing of like everyone's story is unique but the pain is the same you know so like i absolutely like can relate to and i feel so bad for any kids raised in a like deeply mentally ill environment or also the thing of like trying to maintain your sanity when you're like literally immersed with insane people is like Alice in Wonderland, you know, yeah. and then it makes you be like, am I crazy? And I'm like, no, dude, you're not crazy, but your mom is and your dad's a fucking meth addict. <laughs> like, right. um, but 
your reality gets skewed in your sense of self and perception. Like I, I have so much sympathy for anybody um, like dealing with those circumstances, especially when you're like a kid, because especially any kid who has to rely on an adult who is unstable. I think that's a very, that's actually a very unfortunately common experience. Yeah. And it's so hard. <laughs> it's so, it's so, it's so fucked up because it's the core contract of like parent child yeah. is one of us is the parent. One of us is the child. And when that's flipped and put on the shoulders of a kid, it's so fucked up. And that happens yeah. all over all the time, like yeah. mentally, physically, financially, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I, I, it's so fucking hard. Um, so I have a lot of sympathy for people like that. And, um, and I have deep, deep resentment for anyone who hasn't experienced that. <laughs> 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 I like, I mean, even it's like, I, you know, my boyfriend and I always joke, like, we're, like, bonded because we, like, hate happy, seeing happy families. Right. <laughs> you know? We're always just like, look at these fucking idiots. Like, <laughs> who the fuck do you think you are? Like, happy, you know, happy little Instagram families or, like, my friends are all having, like, kids and they're, like, sweet and smiling and we're just like, man, fuck this shit. What yeah. the fuck? Like, <laughs> although that's Christ- what we yeah. would like. I just, right. w- I would like to. Resentment ex- born yes, out of deep jealousy, jealousy. you know, yeah. or people who are like, my mom's my best friend. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, yeah. No, one of my greatest, one of my biggest fears is being that parent that you described and having a kid and going fucking crazy. And yeah. That, like that's, that's, yeah. it's, it's, it's very common and it's, a, it's, you know, it's a horrifying thing. Um, but also like, even if that is the case, like there are things you can't help, like you can be a parent and then get disabled and you can't take care of your child the way that you would have liked to or whatever. But it's also like that is just the consequence it's just something that happens in life but but say being crazy or whatever and like not taking steps to fix it or not taking steps to protect the child like you know what i mean like it's okay to have a problem but you can't like indulge in the problem like you have to try to help it or fix the pro like make it as less challenging as possible you know but if you're totally insane like i also can't watch stuff where like parent-child dynamics like there's that hulu series the act about the mom who made the daughter think she was like sick her whole life Uh and like lives a child in a wheelchair like munchausen syndrome you know yeah and anything where it's like a parental child manipulation or stuff like that is like i cannot watch that stuff it's so it's so infuriating to me and it's so hard to like stomach um but but I've also been lucky in that I've had a lot of people in my life who are like surrogate family or surrogate parents in a sense, like who filled roles in other ways that I didn't feel like were being filled by maybe the people I wanted them to be filled, you know, like right. that stuff. So there's ways around things. And that's why I also to like feel like um, as much craziness as there was there's always light on the other side you know i'm also there's also lots of things i was very lucky about like i was raised with my mom my dad my brother wasn't he was like full-time with my dad so he has a whole other life you know like i had one foot in one foot out in some sense and i have like wonderful people and the healthier i've gotten and the more i've like extracted from that and the more i've surrounded myself with people who like are loving and balanced and nurturing the more um the most exciting part is like the more I'm intolerant of anything other than that, 
which is a really nice change I've seen in myself. Because, of course, yeah. when you grow up in chaos, you attract chaos, you date chaos. You you seek it. You become, Yeah, it's like it's only my therapist would always say, like, this doesn't feel good. This feels familiar, you know. Yeah. And it's been nice to see in my own life, like the more I've changed, worked really hard and spent thousands of dollars in therapy. Um, like the more I've done that and seen that change in myself and seen the people around me change, you know, like that's been very, very um really nice to see and so for that reason i just would say like we can all like change or like we're not not just like we can all heal you know but i think one of the blessings too is that i feel like for most people or for a lot of people the trauma that they accrue is like ages zero to 18 you know it's yeah. your childhood the time when you're the weakest the most powerless like victim to everybody most you can't control impressionable. most impressionable like it's the hardest time but nobody talks about like the beauty of growing up is that like you get the power back, you get the job, you get the finances, you get the choice to like keep people or not. Yeah. And that's like the beauty. <laughs> like I even now I'm like, it is so hard to be a nine year old in a fucked up dysfunctional family than it is to be a 25 year old who had a bad day at work. <laughs> you know, right. it's like. You are, if you survived to 18, you're already strong. You already have beat everything you could fucking possibly beat because now everything going forward, you'll be able to like handle or encounter or have more power to change yourself or the situation, you know? Yeah. So I feel like that's something people don't talk about, especially with like fucked up childhoods is like, it does get easier as you're older and it doesn't mean things like stop happening to you. That's another misconception I had was that I was like, oh, well, I like everything will be great. Yeah. Now. It's like, oh, well, I survived that. Like all that shit's fine. So nothing bad is going to happen to me going forward. But it's not that it's just you get so much more stronger and capable and like it's easier to navigate that stuff. And also it's easier to avoid that stuff because you can spot it a mile away. If yeah. You know your patterns or, you know, things like that. So it's like the wisdom you get as you get older is so much better, even though there's still going to be times you're, like, crying on the floor, you know? Right. So. Wh wh what's interesting about you is you, I mean, you, you've, you've, you've done all this work, and you, you said you spent a lot of money in therapy to improve yourself, but you have, like, it does, it sounds like you've, and from all, you know, visual outsider angles, it, you really have been able to kind of, like, put that behind you. Yeah, and I think, I, I was thinking about this the other day, that, like, as much as I want, you know, especially it's like if we're all trying to be comedians or make it in Hollywood or blah, blah, blah. Like there's all these things. It's so hard, right? It's like you yeah. always feel like you're failing. You always are like questioning yourself. You're like, what right. the fuck am I doing? Why am I here? Am I ever going to get the stuff I want? Am I already a failure? You know, like it's this constant monologue. But I always try to remind myself that like if I died today, like where I've come from to where I am now is like probably the like most success of my life yeah you know and i feel like a lot of people even if you're like a broke comedian living in your car which we know plenty of people who are right. and i have not been that person but like from what i came from and from like dysfunctional family stuff like i'm not pregnant and i'm not in jail like all right i already you're killing it i already crushed yeah. half of what sh probably should have happened in my life yeah you know um i'm not an addict like another thing another bullet i dodged and like that I've worked so hard to not repeat these patterns and like made that 
that is probably like my biggest life's work is to not repeat them. Right. Um, and I, I know why that it's easy to repeat them. I know people do, but to me, I've all, that's always been like unacceptable. Well, yeah. And that was, that was kind of, kind of, it's, it, you said it's always been unacceptable to me. Like ever since right. I was little. and you know, what's crazy is I do remember being little at my dad's house and I already knew, like, I already remember being like, I'm going to have to get therapy when I'm older. I, I got to be careful about who I date. You knew. Like, I already knew, like, this is going to fuck me up. <laughs> well, that's what I was going to ask is when did you become cognizant? Because I feel like I feel like so much of what goes wrong is an inability to be honest with yourself about yourself, about the surroundings you've experienced, about things you've been through. Like, it's hard to be, you know, especially like. It's hard to do it in a jokey way, mm-hmm. and then it's way harder to do it in a genuine from a genuine place. Yeah, but you kind of have to do that in order to get through it. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess, I guess, w- was like, was there ever a point where you you started like? It, it was front front while it was happening, you know, like you 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 basically turned that part of your brain on. I knew I was in hell. Like, I mean, I knew I was in hell. I was like, I remember also like literally being like nine years old and like counting like how long till my eighteenth birthday. Yeah, <laughs> like that's crazy. <laughs> and it being like eleven years, I can wait. Wait, I'll wait that out. I could get there, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, but no, I always knew. And also, I like something I didn't talk about is like, um, when I was like twelve, thirteen, I, I did get depressed and my mom put me on antidepressants and that was like for other reasons that like I won't talk about because it like affects other people which is something I fucking hate too is like I'm very compassionate and considerate of other people's feelings my family and my life and I love them and I don't want them to feel shame or hurt for things that happened but shit happened that fucking really fucked me up but then I'm not allowed to talk about it because it hurts them more to talk you know whatever sure Um, absolutely but so I I was depressed and I, yeah, they put me on antidepressants when I was 12 actually. Uh huh. So that's real fucking young. Um, but I knew like even from then, like I just always knew from an early age, like I was like smart enough to be like, whoop, I'm going to have daddy issues. This is going to really fuck me up and I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with this because I also just couldn't, um, I mean, it's being around crazy people. It's just so crazy making, you know, yeah. you have to, and it's like you, you literally cannot survive them unless you kind of take on some of their crazy because right. you have to share their reality or else you become the enemy. Right. Yeah, exactly. So knowing like, okay, I have to like extract myself from that. I have to like retool my brain. I, a lot of things I felt like a lot of my emotions were like a lie, you know? So things like I would feel guilty if I didn't do this, you know, if I didn't talk to my dad or go see him, but it's like, yeah, but he's like harassing you and like you're considering filing a restraining order. Like you yeah. don't have to be guilty to go see your dad, you know, like yeah. stuff like that. I would be like the way my brain was wired or the things, the beliefs I had were not like real or true or most importantly, they weren't healthy for me. So learning to like trust myself again or rewire my brain was like very fucking hard. It's still hard. I still have like things I slip into or things I don't realize like that I'm doing. But, um, but I did always know like it, I have to do this or else I like, I will not survive. Do you have, do you have tips for re like rewiring? Cause like Your that's brain, the hardest yeah. thing I used to. And I, I, this is the second time I've said this in two days. Cause I recorded yesterday. Like I used to genuinely believe people were incapable of change. Yeah. And I'm like trying to warm up to it. And I have 
you know, but it's still a hard thing for me to kind of get my brain around. And I think it's one of the hardest things to do is to rewire your brain. Yeah. You can't. I mean, neuroplasticity is real. It's hard. I think for me, like I remember some of my early um, assignments from like my therapist or whatever, right, would be like, like, especially in my dynamic, like you're very used to like putting your feelings aside, sacrificing yourself putting like your feelings don't matter especially if someone in front of you is like raging or like freaking yeah. out you know so it's like you disassociate from your own feelings or and that creates a, sh- a sense of like i don't matter you know and then that yeah. becomes i don't deserve anything which then becomes for me it was stuff like i will not buy a new blanket unless mine is literally like in shreds you know stuff like that like uh-huh. so for me it was like i remember one of the early things is she was like go to a store and just buy something you like And I was like, I could not fucking do it. Like, it was so uncomfortable for me. It brought up so many emotional feelings. Like, I remember someone got me a gift certificate once and I, like, didn't use it for two years. And every time I saw it, it would, like, make me panic because I was like, I don't even know what to buy. Da-da-da. Money. Uh, uh, You know? Um, And so what was interesting is not, like, just doing those exercises, but, like, learning to realize when you are starting to panic and like what that is and usually it's because it's like resistance right it's a new it's something you haven't done before it's something that's very uncomfortable and new and scary and that's why you have to like keep doing it until it at least feels neutral even if it doesn't feel good yet you know that thing of like I said my therapist would be like this doesn't feel good this feels familiar and it's true like oh taking a call from my dad didn't feel fun it felt like anxiety and stuff but I was so used to that and like you know you get addicted to chaos or whatever because you don't know anything else so for me it would be like leaning into feelings that are uncomfortable um that are good good for you yeah like if your thing is always to whatever it is right like something happens you're upset at work you buy pizza (laughs) you know and maybe you like it would be better to do something else it's like try you don't have to like do a 180 and be like no reach for a salad but it's like just don't get the pizza just eat what's in your fridge first (laughs) like you know it's like small steps because for me too it's i've never i feel like so many self-help books and i've read fucking everything is like (laughs) like the overwhelming part is they're like okay go from like the bottom of the mountain to the top in only three steps and it's like no dude (laughs) like that's not how it works find your hiking shoes first (laughs) like that's all you need to worry about it's like one little thing at a time and also the lies in your brain. Like I remember my therapist would be like, okay, so if you're feeling really shitty about say a bad set you had or something like that, write down 25 compliments you've received in your lifetime, you know? Yeah. And that to me, it wouldn't make me be like, I'm awesome, but it would like stop the bleeding at least. Yeah. Or be like, okay, for me, a lot of times the biggest thing that I still have challenge with is like the lies you tell yourself, you know, and who, who, one, whose voice is that in your head? Because a lot of times it's like a parent, society, like something, it's not true, you know? Yeah. And we tell ourselves lies all the time and we build our lives off. We build our lives and relationships off of lies all the time. So really trying to like catch those and also just notice like what is feeling good and what is feeling familiar. Yeah. I think that's the big one. But I mean, I still, I, I'm not sitting here like. I figured it out. I'm done. Yeah, it's like this is ongoing. Right. It's kind of like um. I wouldn't yeah. ask you if I thought that's how you felt. Yeah. I don't trust <laughs> anyone who has the answer. No, it's not. And Toby Tony Robbins can go fuck himself. Oh. I I hate well, especially now, but like 
I, I genuinely, anyone who says they have the answer or they've figured it out, yeah. they, they, they don't. And then they just basically, I feel like a lot of self-help and lectures about it and stuff just like, I'm better now. And I'm like, but they, it doesn't, it doesn't feel the, a lot of what they give for point A to, to where they are now, it doesn't add up or relate or it's simplified and it's not it's not nuance separating yourself and leaving that shit behind is so nuanced and complicated and you know i mean anyone who simplifies it and goes this is the answer is full of shit and i don't want to hear from them yeah agreed and i think i think in self-help there's these two kind of thoughts there's the thing of like I'm fixed and I'm done and I started my new company and I'm a millionaire. It's like, there's that. Or there's the thing of like, this is an ongoing battle and it's always going to happen and stuff. And like, one is like too easy, but one is, I also don't like the dwelling on like, life is, look, look man, like nut up because like life is never going to stop throwing shit at you. You're always going to fucking struggle with these issues and stuff. I think the truth is it's like in between, like there's this, um, it's like a metaphor I like, which is like a labyrinth, right? Yeah. So a labyrinth is, if people don't know, it's like one of those little mazes. And the catch of it is that you're like going in circles and stuff, but it catches that you're always moving forward. Like you you never yourself are going back. You're always walking the path and it's, it's just going looping back and forth on itself. Uh-huh. So like that's life. Like you're always going into the future. Just sometimes you're going to be dealing with stuff that's going from your past, yeah. you know, side to side or whatever. Like, so in a sense, it's like, you're actually always leveling up. Like, you know, you're never, um, you're never going back. <laughs> like right. you're always learning new things. You're always catching stuff. You're always learning more about yourself. And also it's like, there's that thing of like, you will get the same lessons over and over just in forms of different teachers. Right. So sure. like if it's boundaries first, it's going to be your dad, then it's going to be a boyfriend, then it's going to be a boss. Like, so recognizing like, okay, this is a new teacher. This is a new thing. And this is something I struggle with, but like, I don't like the, the idea. Like I just, I just, I don't like the extremes of like life never gets better or do these things. If you just figure out these five things, life will be perfect. Yeah. You know, it's like, no dude, every single day is a new day. And like, it's, I hate that thing of like live in the present, but sometimes like even today it's like, yesterday is doesn't exist anymore you know and tomorrow doesn't exist either it's like sometimes I feel like I try to like linearly think about life and I'm like all right well 50 years in the future I want to have x y and z right and you know the 30 years behind me were this and that and they're never going to come it's like no it's like just every day and I don't but I don't like to say like every day is gonna be a fucking struggle I hate when people say that because it's like that's not true actually you get older you grow you learn more and again good days and if you're an again i keep talking about this like adult versus child thing like if you're an adult who made it through like you're you're literally physically here breathing even you made it through all that trauma like you made it through it you know yeah like that for the most part that monster isn't knocking on your door this afternoon it's like it's gone it's just now how are you gonna deal with what was left behind right you know but you have more power like than you think you yeah. do and there's already use ca- like you could already write down 10 10 ways that you're different now than you were five years ago absolutely and better things you do and things you've learned and how did you learn those things oftentimes through pain and struggle but you learned them you know yeah. well i think a lot of times the pain and struggle like you can react poorly or you could try to learn from them and those are really the kind of 
I feel like those are kind of the only two options when shit gets bad. Like you're, I mean, either way, it's gonna suck. Right. But you know, I. That's is whether or not you're willing to 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 to, to learn from them and, and adapt. You know, from from you know, from them, and 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 that's that's. I think it like it sounds. It does sound. I I just said it was very nuanced, and, but I think at the simplest form, that's what it is. Is whether or not you could you you know you choose to try to figure things out and learn from bad experiences. Yeah, and also knowing like, w- are you reacting now like a child or an adult? You know, like I know for me, there's things yeah. with my dad where like, I act like a terrified seven year old in- instantly, like emotionally. I respond that way. It's like I'm crying. I'm upset. I have this tantrum response, you know, something like that. And I'm like, okay, wait, I am a very grown woman that I don't need to be reacting that way, even though it's imprinted in me and that's kind of where I go. But it's like, yeah, but you're not seven anymore, yeah. you know, and he's not as scary as he once was to you. Right. So let's reframe that. And again, like, where are you today? You know, like it's easier. You're stronger, you're bigger and you don't have to like, immediately slip back there but i find myself doing that i mean it's it's a constant like thing i am vigilant about or or at least try to notice when it's happening you know yeah i think that's hard too is sometimes you have to like get into the habit of uh metacognition which is like thinking about the way you think or like seeing yourself react because usually we just like flow into the emotions i love this metaphor too of like like you're a sponge in the sea, right? And it's like low tide, so the water's out. So like when the waves come in, you can either let them like move through you because you're physically a sponge, move through you and move back out. Or when they come in, you can get tumbled all the way up to the shore and all the way back with them. Yeah. And it's like, be a calm sponge. Like let it move through you and back out. Yeah. You don't have to like take the roller coaster ride each time. Right. Um, but that's a, that, that's a good, that's a I good like metaphor. That yeah. yeah. No, it's a good metaphor. And it's very, it's very relatable. At least, well, I guess if you live on a by beach, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. It, Sorry, I, Montana. Yeah, uh, Okies are still there. Yeah, like, I, you know, I was on board with everything. Wyoming. Until, yeah, yeah. That's no, my Yankee metaphor. I don't know. <laughs> I don't mean I don't mean to backtrack, but there was one story yeah. when you're talking about when you first did start sharing these stories, mm-hmm. and like you you told me you told me a story about like the very uh one of the first people you told was like a friend yeah i think it was like a i remember a best friend in high school and i told her a story and it was basically like um my dad would have these like he would take like manic walks at like 1 2 a.m or whatever right it was like his time it was like the only time he could like be in public is like vampire hours when no one's out and he could walk (laughs) um and he had found like a a baby bird that had fallen out of a nest like a really small one so it comes home he's like all manic and he like wakes me up it's like one or two a.m and he's like katie katie i found this thing and uh and of course he soon like knocks out and he's like you need to stay up and like keep feeding this thing this gruel i made like so i'm like here with like a tiny ass baby bird in the middle of the night like cleaning or whatever it died by morning and then my dad came out and got mad like whatever right the crazy shit of like he blamed yeah. yeah and he was like blaming me so i like told my best friend of uh, best friend that story in high school and then she just like started crying so much and i was like oh girl <laughs> like i was like oh if you can't even hear the story like yeah you can't be there to like hang with me on it you know or like you yeah. can't support me through it and i try yeah. to remember that like when i hear other people's deep trauma you know trying to react in a way that's like loving and understanding but not overly like not taking it from them you know yeah it's 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 uh it's 
it's a, it's it's so fucking it's such a tricky thing to I think I think a lot of people don't know that sometimes their reaction can be the most painful part of telling a story. Yeah, and it makes people either open up or close back down, you know, and yeah. and uh for me um I was like, oh, you just got to be careful who you choose or who you tell stuff to, you know, because they can handle it or they can't. Yeah. So that sucks. It no, it it absolutely, uh, absolutely does suck. Um, when you when you when when you did turn eighteen, I have a theory, and I don't know if this is this is true. This is this is just a theory I had, and I don't know if it's true at all. But I feel like people when they get out, when they you know when they leave a thing, yeah. you know. They their t- release freedom papers. <laughs> right. They typically, they either isolate, join a community, a different community, or um, r- a- a- attach themselves to a single person. Mm. Uh, is usually, I feel like people's, one of those three things is their yeah. immediate response. D- does that have any resonation? In a sense, I, well, I... I was very worried about like not going down to see my dad anymore. So it actually took me like years to like extract myself from that. So first it was like, I'd go down to see him every other weekend. And then I turned 18 and I was like, all right, I'll come down once a month. And then it was like, I'll come down once every other month, every three months for holidays, you know? So, and that took years to do. But, um, shortly thereafter, I, uh, I started dating a guy, um, and I like legally married him. To get I didn't know that. Yeah, I know. That's something I don't talk about. Uh, <laughs> he was like from another country, so like green card stuff. Gotcha. We were dating. I'm not going to be like, oh, we, I didn't know him and I married him. But it's right. like we were dating and I wanted to help him. But it's like, oh, I had a new person to help and save now. So I was in that relationship for five years. And that was my new dad to help. And right. That, actually, that, that era was sucked because I was helping him or, you know, carrying that relationship. And then still in contact with my dad. So that was like the darkest years of my life. Like actually of everything, most traumatic times of my life. And I was like working full time and going to school full time. I was like, I, I call it my single mom years. Cause I like was yeah. just in true hell <laughs> um, of like taking care of people and da da da. Um, but that's actually the only time in my life that I don't like when people talk about suppressing memories, I'm like, I, I don't remember a lot of that time. Like, and that sure. was like my college years and stuff. I'm like, I don't remember a lot of it. It was the darkest time I was like, felt like I was like drowning. Like I felt like it was like the walls closing in on all four sides. Just like I was about to get crushed. And I ended up leaving that relationship and things got better and better. But for sure it was like, but also at that time I did not know. I did. I had no boundary. I did not know what healthy behavior was or not. Right. I had no sense of self. I mean, I even like, I've had relationships where I left them and like, literally like saw myself in the mirror and did not like I it was like I hadn't seen myself in five years yeah you know like and that was very bizarre it's like actually looking at my own reflection which I remember leaving a relationship and that was like crazy and I was like oh this is what I look like I didn't even know what I looked like I didn't even know how I presented it was like crazy I was so I had so had no sense of self um so, yeah, I definitely transplanted those emotions on that, but learned, you know, every relationship learned and learned and I'm in a happier, healthier relationship now. And that's yeah. wonderful. And I'm, I'm and glad. I'm a huge fan of you guys <laughs> together. I'm it's such very sweet. Both together and as individuals. I'm, it's very I'm sweet. I'm a huge fan of both of you, you know. Yeah. But he and I, we always joke that we're like, oh my God, if we met each other in the, our 20s, 
<laughs> we would have like burned down a chapel in Vegas together or something <laughs> or like I don't know we would have like we would have been so codependent such fucking nightmares so yeah. we're very glad that we met each other as more grown adults <laughs> right right it's uh it's it's did you after after you after you got out of that one did you did you ever did you ever go through just an isolation phase or not really not too much I think um you were able to grow around other people whether yeah. it be in yeah I wasn't not. and I also felt very like um I've always had a a large f- friend group I've always yeah. been very extroverted and par- it's funny because I know like around comedians I'm very like cold and like what's up but only, to my other friends I'm like woo party girl karaoke <laughs> <laughs> only you know it was it, it, it's not that it's just guarded yeah, or, yeah and it was once once I once like as soon as I started talking to you a few times like oh you're one of the nicest people i could possibly I'm be a fucking <laughs> angel <laughs> <laughs> you are it's you know and i think it's also i think it's also you know male comedians always get weird when there's a girl around and i think girls get more guarded because they're, they're oh for sure you yeah know what i mean like like i also met you when i was very young into comedy so yeah. i didn't realize how fucking hostile being a, yeah. a a girl it's, in the comedy community, yeah, it's can funny be. too because I know that then I kind of got a reputation, or I don't know if I got a reputation, but like I always joke about being an ice queen or standoffish, right? But I'm also like, yeah, but you guys made I was not like that. Like the first time <laughs> I went to open mic, I was like, cool, community, friends, jokes, yeah. and then it was like a year later, and I was like, go fuck yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that was like the first time if I met a dude, I'd like be like, fuck you, dude. Like, but it was be yeah from being in such a hostile environment and being. Again, a, like an outsider or like not outsider yeah. or other, but like, you know, in, especially in Orange County, there were like five of us, <laughs> five yeah, girls. I it's, mean, it's it's better now. There's a lot more girls now. Yeah, it's it's very different, especially for younger com- female comedians. And then I become like the old like I, sometimes I feel like a like my own grandpa or something because like younger female comedians complain about stuff. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. I'm like, <laughs> man up. All right. Yeah. Be, of course. Of course. Everyone's going to get me. T- like, this is how it works. All right. Of so of course, everyone's going to get up, me. Man. T- <laughs> <laughs> go, what do you what what'd you fucking expect? So I'm like, oh, I shouldn't I should be more like and I am supportive, but I'm like, no, they're they have they're experiencing they the good. How, yeah. yeah. And I'm just like. Yeah, no shit, dude. Like, what the fuck? What else did you think was going to happen? But right. um, I'm very, yeah, I don't know. So I, I'm trying to I, I'm trying to melt a little. And yeah. I don't have to be so standoffish anymore either, too. Like, it's not the same vibes, and I'm more confident or whatever. But yeah. it's just, but it's just, like, the natural, like, defensive Yeah, which is, pose, which is understandable. Know? I also, it's like, it's not, it's not, there are, there are plenty of people, men and women, who... Uh, I said man instead of men. Uh, who who, like, are way more standoffish and offish than you've ever been. Yeah, you know what I mean, yeah. like, it's not like a. Ju- I'm not like Katie. No, I the, know, I know, and I'm not bitch. Yeah. Like, that's not what I'm saying, and I want to be clear no, about I that. Know. But even my like on stage persona, like I have other like friends who will be like, yeah, I don't know who that person is. Like, I don't know that. Like, you know, and I I'm I'm trying to like meld the two you know because i think starting to stand up i just was very defensive and aggressive or very yeah. like yeah just flipping like fuck you man i'm up here with my leather jacket all the time and like right. um and now i'm trying to be more like playful or sh- have some of that like i don't know be more comfortable or not be so standoffish or defensive right. or like cutting or sarcastic whatever so yeah i don't know well it's been you've been i mean i've learned so much about you just in the last several months <laughs> 
and I'm really happy that you felt comfortable sharing everything. Yeah. You know, uh, I love I love trauma. I love people. <laughs> I love drama. I just want to hear people's. I really do. I was thinking about that the other day. Is like sometimes I'm like I know some people feel like oh there's boundaries don't overshare and sometimes I'm like I don't want to talk to anyone unless I like know what their like core trauma is. I don't trust <laughs> people who don't have demon showing if that makes sense. Yeah, it's like. I don't. I don't want you to be a fucking mess, but it's like I want to know that you have them on a. There's like a, a Hozier song, and he says like, um, "What do you say?" Way down we go. Oh, no, no. That's someone else. <laughs> no, he says, uh, "Uh, it's um, like something about like, don't trust your demons, but keep them on a leash or something like that." Right. I was like, "All right, man, keep your demons on a leash." Yeah. So dramatic. No, for 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 me, it's like if I don't if I can't figure out what your demons are without meeting you a couple of times, that means you're really good at hiding them. If you're really good at hiding them, I don't trust why you're hiding them. That's a great them. point, yeah. That's always where my brain goes. Whenever like someone's that. dressed up very nice mm-hmm. and has a nice life and a nice car and is yeah. too fucking, but doesn't share, I'm always like, what the fuck have you done? That, yeah, I'm like, what are the bodies in your basement? Yeah, like, for sure. I immediately, I, <laughs> totally. My, my brain immediately goes, you're, you're, I don't believe I'm not going to be surprised if I find out you are in, unable to experience empathy. Yeah. That's always where <laughs> that's always where my brain goes, which is probably True unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, that's always unhealthy is I start inve- I, I start trying to gently figure out whether or not they're a psychopath. Right. <laughs> that's that's like trust issues on my end. I yeah. shouldn't be projecting that onto other people, but that's always where uh my brain goes. If 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 there is if there is like a just the one in a million shot, there's a girl who's in her teens listening <laughs> to the show who's relating to what your experience yeah. was. What would you want them to hear? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, first of all, hey, queen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, girl. Like, like I said, it's like you're so much stronger than you realize, you know, and if you can get through this like it's like make it to 18 (laughs) you know don't kill yourself just at least make it to 18 um and then you can like start to have take control of your own life and and be yourself and just don't date men (laughs) who who, (laughs) (laughs) who you think you can save and like don't put other people's feelings over your own i think that's like a healthy way to keep your boundaries and like keep people away i feel like and um yeah and don't yeah don't try to save dudes they're not your they're not your dad yeah dudes are not your dad okay and we we (laughs) honestly we're 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 unsavable most of the (laughs) time but anybody you know it can be a toxic like best friend relationship or something you know for sure but it's like just uh be kind and then also like don't you know don't get too closed off because I think that that's a, s- a natural reaction that people have too is when they're just like yeah. everyone's fucked fuck these people it's like no there's there's good people and sometimes people good people who don't know how to be good people yeah people who are in the process of becoming yes. good people yeah, yeah. And, and you're gonna get it girl <laughs> don't <laughs> worry <laughs> well, thank stay you. strong <laughs> yeah thank you so much for like doing this twice <laughs> Thank you. Hey, I just got two hours of free therapy, I feel like, so (laughs) I'm fine with it. What's hilarious is you're not the first person person to say that, and I'm always paranoid. Like, 
I always get paranoid, like, oh, fuck, I don't want to trigger anybody's anything talking about this shit. That's no. always where, where I'm paranoid. Yeah, um, but they shouldn't be coming on, or they wouldn't if it was going to be too much. Yeah, no, but it's it's it was it was I was so upset when your episode got deleted because it 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 was it was such a great episode and this is this was fucking it was great to have you on. Thank, Thank you, you, Tom. you so much. Thank where can you. where can people find you? KatieFrench.com. That's k a t y French.com, and at your local um, pagan ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> Social media. Or uh, Twitter at Katie I French. That's k a t y i French. Uh, Facebook and Instagram, Katie French. So, uh-huh. And yeah. um, uh, your, your web series. Stuff. Oh, yeah. And my uh, web series, Living with Jonathan. I, I want, I yeah, want, you, I totally I want I the people to go find <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, I totally you're, you're very funny. <laughs> forgot about, yeah. Uh, Living with Jonathan and Katie is, uh, you can find it on YouTube. You can find us, find our Facebook page. It's a web series talk show I do with my um, gay best friend, Jonathan Rao. Yeah, who's very funny as well. Yeah. Yeah. So check right. it out, guys. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Thank you again. All right, bye. Bye.